Welcome to the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. We are literally two preseason games in, and already the NBA is making a shit ton of noise. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the Stadium Scene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew. And we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. The NBA is always full of drama. There's always something going on. And this uh, controversy, I guess you can say, with China is definitely um, is definitely causing a lot of noise. Um, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't know enough about it. I just think it's funny that the NBA is making headlines on a, on a worldwide level. But here we are. Joining me tonight to discuss all things Toronto Raptors returning to the show. It's Ryan Grossman of LaceSports.ca and oftentimes a contributor of SouthToTheSix.com. Ryan, we're going to switch it up on you. We're not doing Blue Jays right now. We're doing Raptors. How you doing? Okay, good. Thanks for thanks for setting that up. As I totally thought this was a was a Jays podcast. Nope. Um, th- thanks for having me back, though. I thought maybe like after the last one, I guess the last one did, went pretty well. Oh, I thought yeah. maybe I thought maybe I get a oh hey remember that Raptors pod we talked about? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be sick that day, so yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure so, I have a goldfish that's gonna <laughs> die that day. I haven't bought it yet, but I'm pretty sure it's gonna happen. Yeah. Nah, man, it's good. It's good. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the, I can't believe it's here, man. This is the fourth, quote-unquote, season of the South of the Six podcast talking uh, Toronto Raptors. So it's, um, I I can just remember the first time that I did this. It was just a solo pod, and, you know, it's, it's, we've come a long way. So it's good to have you back on the show. It's good to have uh, another voice to sort of back and forth ideas here. And, you know, the NBA season is here, and the Raptors are in Japan. Well, they were in Japan playing preseason games. Like I mentioned, the NBA is trying to make this a a legitimate global effort. Um, Are you excited for the start of the season? Even though it's just preseason, it's still fun to watch some live basketball. Yeah, I can't wait myself. Usually, I actually skip preseason games. Like, I normally don't watch just because I prefer... To wait until teams have their their crap together, really. Yeah. And usually it's just, it's like the same thing over and over again. And you know, last year I think was probably the first time I actually watched all the games. I mean, because there was, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, new um, coach. So there's actually there was actually reason to watch. Who who are those? Uh, who are those guys? I'm not familiar with uh, them. <laughs> uh, well, there's there's the coach. I, there's the yeah, yeah. I know him. There's, I, there's Nick Nurse. I know him. But the other, the other guys, guys I don't, yeah. I'm not sure who they are exactly. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see them at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this year, um, it was great that these uh, games are on at six o'clock in the morning. That's that was great. <laughs> but I'm sure uh, a lot of, hopefully, maybe some people recorded them like I did and watched them at a kind of reasonable hour. But yeah, yeah, I can't wait for the actual games to start. Yeah, you know, it's it's. It was easy for me. I wake up at like four, four thirty every morning. Um, wow. well, well, I got <laughs> there's. A, I have a one year old, as you know. It's like that's the only time I can yeah. get my workout in is if I wake up at the ass crack of dawn. So I wake up and get the workout in. And when I'm done, it's like five thirty, five forty five. Take a shower real quick, 
and uh, then I can just chill and watch the game. The problem is I have to leave the house by 645 right. to take her to daycare, so I, like, miss a huge chunk of the game, and as we talked off air, I just get hurry up to the office, put the computer screen on. I'm like, all right, what the fuck did I miss? What's, what's going on? Um, but no, I, I, don't, I don't remember a time where I was so eager to watch uh, an early game of any source. Maybe the last time I was so eager to do it is maybe the World Baseball Classic. But other than that, like, I'm just, I don't know. Like, there's, there's something exciting about this season that's a little similar to last year. And, like, I know I, I was poking fun of Kawhi and Danny Green not being on the team anymore, but it's a little mm-hmm. similar to the fact that there's so much mystery behind this mm-hmm. season. And it, it's parallels to to how, you know, last year Kawhi was going to interact with his team. Now we're thinking, okay, how are we going to defend this title? I think it's strangely compelling in that way. Well, I'm, I'm workshopping this thing, uh, this, this joke. Um, do you know how the Raptors usually play? They always play with a chip on their shoulders? Yes. This year they're playing with a ship on their shoulders. <laughs> See? Well, I mean, like, that's almost like, literally true because they have the tag <laughs> in the back of the jersey. Exactly. It's near yeah. their shoulders. Yeah. Shoulder yeah. blades. Yeah. yeah. It's close enough. Right in the middle of it. Um <laughs> But yeah, so as mentioned, the NBA season is just around the corner. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seat Studios. Um, I'd be you know, remiss if I didn't mention that you know, we are sponsored by Vivid Seats. So with the Raptors season coming up, there's a, pre, uh, there's a preseason game coming to Toronto to the Scotiabank Arena. Um, if you want to grab tickets for that or if you're looking for regular season tickets, do yourself a favor. Download the Vivid Seats app on whatever smart device you're using, whether it's iOS or Android, download the Vivid Seats app and first-time customers get up to $100 off their first ticket purchase by using promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, all one word on the Vivid Seats app. This is only good for first-time customers, but I promise you, you can save up to $100 by using promo code OVERTIME. And also, we have another sponsor, MyBookie.ag. So heads up, Raptors fans. The regular season, as I mentioned, is just around the corner. MyBookie has you covered for your pre-game, in-game, and season-long betting. Check out the odds here. Currently, MyBookie has got the Raptors' season win total at 46.5. If you think that the Raptors are going to finish ahead of that, they have them at 46.5, put down a bet. Go to MyBookie.ag and put down some money. They also have them at a plus 600 odds to repeat for the championship. And that just scratches the surface. So look, we've teamed up with MyBookie to give you this great offer. If you head on over to MyBookie.ag and sign up by using promo code overtime again o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e all one word they will match your first deposit again use promo code overtime to get your first deposit basically doubled you put down 10 bucks they're going to match that you get 20 bucks in your your account just like that by using promo code overtime mybookie.ag you play you win you get paid we got a jam-packed show for you tonight we're going to break down the preseason we're going to break down what we have noticed in the preseason what we expect in the regular season Hang on tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I don't know if you knew this, Ryan, but the GoDaddy curse, pretty much over. <laughs> Did you know about this? Yeah. Um, Muggsy Bogues, thanks for stepping in. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like like if maybe they had like some sort of reunion because they're doing the old school jerseys and you know they bring right. back Muggsy and they bring back the whole crew and they're like you know what we were thinking about maybe this year maybe Siakam will be the guy for for GoDaddy and like Muggsy Bogues is like yeah. no 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 I'm taking this bullet I'll be the guy <laughs> I'll make sure I suck doing nothing so 
Thank you, Motsi Bones. Maybe, yeah, maybe it came from on top. Like, yeah. <laughs> Your jury was like, no, no, not, the, not this time. Not, no. not Siakam. No. no. <laughs> not taking Siakam from us. I, I said this before. I wish GoDaddy had, like, the foresight to recognize that the fan base, you know, considers this a curse. And they capitalized on it by using, um, like, rivals. Right, so maybe they use, like, it would be hilarious if, I don't know, Kyrie Irving, they were like, Kyrie, you should totally be a sponsor for GoDaddy.ca. And he's like, all right, and, like, they make a bit of it in the commercial as a curse. I think don't that'd tell be funny. Him. Yeah, no, he just, just shows up to the shoot, and he's like, what's this? Yeah, 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 yeah. just don't worry about it. It's, you'll be yeah. great this year, I promise. Just, yeah, just, just read this, it'll, it'll all be good. Yeah, but that's, like, part of the commercial. Like they, yeah. they film that and he's like, all right, right, cool. I think that that would uh that would generate a lot of business for GoDaddy. I feel like Canadians would be like, that's where I want to get my website built right there now. I mean, he'd be perfect because he's he's like a really good actor. It's like, <laughs> I want I want, to re- I want to be a Celtic for life or whatever he said last year. That's true. So yeah. it's pretty he's a pretty good actor. That and uh, you know he already broke his face so he can like wear the mask and he's like, hey, you oh, know. Oh yeah. So did you see today that he he re-injured no. his yeah he re-injured his face. Oh yeah, it's falling apart quick over there in Brooklyn. So oh wow yeah, um, but look let's speaking of preseason let's let's kick this off. As I mentioned well, before we start, sorry, yeah. I just want to I just want to thank two people. I think we have to thank for the for the Larry Ob this year. Yeah sure. Uh, Tim Lywicky yep. for uh, kind of stepping in and going. Hey, maybe we should hire like an intelligent, competent GM to run this team, <laughs> and then like hiring Gia, hiring Ujuri away from Denver, and then of course we have to thank James Dolan yes. for nixing that trade. Nixing that trade, pun intended. <laughs> and like, like Larry was pretty much out the door, right? And he, because Ujuri screwed him over two times, once uh, in the Carmelo Anthony trade for, yeah. when he was in Denver, and then later with the, the Barnyani trade. Barnyani, yeah. Yeah, Dolan's like not a third time, and he like, and then he so he, he quashed the, the Larry trade, as we all know, and that worked out for us. Yeah, instead of uh, <laughs> instead of getting screwed by Masai, he screwed himself on that one. So exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. These these are the thing. It, it's crazy how things like you can trace this line back yeah. to where it all began and all the nuances in between. It's crazy to think how this ends up, and now Lowry. Um, Quite possibly. I don't know if there's an argument for it, but um, he may be considered, if he's not already, the greatest Raptor of all time. That doesn't mean the greatest player to ever wear a yeah, Raptors yeah. jersey, but he's the greatest Raptor of all time. At least in my opinion, I think he is. Yeah, we, um, I completely agree. Like, and that distinction is important. Like, He's the greatest, most important Raptor of all time. And I thought that before even last season started. Mm. Like, It's no question. Uh, like the, yeah. I mean, I before think last that- season? I think DeRozan kind of snuck himself in there. I think there was like a sentimental attachment to him. Um, but, you know, with Lowry, just seeing the trajectory of everything that happened, how he didn't really want to be in Toronto, but then like came to love it. I think that couples with everything else that he's done for the organization to make it like such a special story. But before that, I think DeRozan, you could have made a strong argument for him. Well, yeah, before, uh, well, I mean, like ever since... Larry Guy here, he's kind of been the, the kind of the driving force. Like mm. he's every single year the most important player on this team. Like if he if we lose him, like the season would be derailed for sure. Oh yeah. And I think and I think if we lost any of those seasons if we lost DeRozan, which I think we did for like half a season one of those years. I think it was two thousand thirteen we did. 
Yeah, I think that was like the only time where he had like the major injury, but I don't I don't think it derailed the season too much. But I think any time a Lowry injury, because he pretty much ran the whole offense. So like he, that's why he's the most important. And, and like you said, not necessarily the best. I think I think we all know the best is probably Leonard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that's not a question. And then like Carter somewhere behind them, I'd say. Hmm. Yeah, I, can, I think you can make an argument for that. I think like, like the like the best player, like actual skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Carter would be up there. Um, uh, yeah, and then you're like caught in a rock in a hard place for third, because I think you're like we're talking about emotions. We're talking about sentimental attachments. You want to say maybe DeRozan. You want to say maybe Lowry. But I think like in terms of ability. Um, they complemented each other well because you know they're they're a lot of the things DeRozan couldn't do like hit threes Lowry could do on a on a regular consistent basis and a lot of the things that Lowry couldn't do like maybe have a mid-range game DeRozan sort of uh exploded in that factor so they complemented each other well so it's really hard for me to pinpoint who the third best in terms of ability uh of all time in a Toronto Raptors jersey would be I kind of lean Lowry though yeah, I just yeah, they're kind of tied together in terms of that. I'd say I'd say Lowry third, DeRozan fourth. It's, yeah, Lowry had I think more or has more aspects to his game where if he can score, he can still help the team out with defense, taking charges, assist. Obviously, mm-hmm. DeRozan, if he's not scoring, a lot of times that was it. Like he was kind of useless to the team. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, this is a great, great way to springboard here. So let's just go, let's start with this. Um, I want to talk about Kyle Lowry's contract extension. Um, when we first heard about it, I remember I was in the car ready to take my daughter to daycare. I get the Woj tweet like 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. <laughs> yep. And I get the, you know, one year, $31 million extension. And I'm thinking to yeah. myself, all right, this sort of takes away the anxieties of Lowry not wanting to, you know, maybe being traded in the middle of the season if things didn't go well even though that's still a possibility it's much less of a possibility now Um, i think so yeah right and you know the the stress of what are we going to do if you know they don't make it to the playoffs like that that contracts if we can't move it it sort of was all for nothing um yeah it was going to be this year's like is is Kawhi going to stay that's what it was going to be kind of hanging over the season are they going to trade Lowry? Yeah, and now that anxiety's kind of gone because you're like, all right, we got this buffer for next year. And even though like he's on the wrong side of 30 in terms of right. you know like being an NBA player, this still isn't an overpay. I don't think I don't consider this like an egregious you know albatross of a contract extension. I think it's pretty fair given what is available and given the importance of a, a solid point guard in the league. I like this. Um, but then we hear that maybe there was going to be a threat of a holdout, <laughs> right? And you. You don't know how you want to evaluate that until it happens to someone in your laundry, right? When you hear about <laughs> other players you're holding out, you're like, you know, fuck that guy. Like, what? Right. you, you got to play for the team that, you know, signed you X, Y, Z. When it came to Lowry, it's sort of like an afterthought. It was sort of like the secondary information after the contract extension. And I don't know if it impacted a lot of people. For me, it kind of felt bittersweet. I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to classify it as nefarious, but it's certainly like, I don't know. I, I, you just won a championship, man, and you really want to like <laughs> hold your chips like this. I don't know. So let me let me put it to you this way: How do you feel about the extension? And then later on, after you're done with that point, we can talk about how you felt about this possible holdout. Uh, I I love the extension. I wanted him to stay 
like like for next going to next year like they're really that's not like there's not like you said it's not a big free agent year nothing is much happening next year it's really 2022 that we're kind of shooting for here yeah so sign him for one more year great you can kind of go out hopefully as a raptor um he's happy the team's happy and like we can kind of have this i guess victory uh season tour whatever you want to call it um i just thought i actually thought that they would wait to the end of the year until his contract ran out and it would be something like a two-year uh i don't know like 30 30 million over like two years as opposed to like kind of the one year 31 million deal right, right. so yeah i'm 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 good with it i i like you said it's good it's not going to be a distraction all year because i got really annoyed with the whole is Kawhi going to stay he's going to go which people are asking the minute they traded for him it's like just enjoy it guys right. okay <laughs> right. so this year that's out of the way there's no anxiety and like you said i think this stops him from being traded because who's i, don't, I mean he's, he's he's obviously more valuable to us as you know his legacy and running this team as to another team like what other team would want to pay him 31 million dollars exactly and he's going to be 34 35 Right, right, and and I think that's that's why he wanted that to happen because I think he heard all the talk about him being possibly traded this year, and I'm like, I don't want that, so I want to get this contract that will keep me here. Yeah, it's crazy how we were just talking about how when he first got traded here, um, we didn't know. Well, he didn't really want to be here, and now it's kind of like, dude, I really want to be here. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, he thought it was just kind of like a stopping whatever stepping stone to the next place. Right. Right. And, and like him and like apparently him and Drozen didn't like talk that much the first year. I think that's the report. Like they weren't really like he just positioned one. I guess Larry didn't want to be like put up roots or anything because he thought he was out of there. So mm -hmm. right. and he almost was. Right. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, when you look at the expiring contracts on this team, like the main ones, the big ones um, that you would consider movable assets at the trade deadline before this contract extension was signed, um, you consider Lowry, Gasol and Abaca. At least mm -hmm. to me, by far, the one that I would want to retain the most is Lowry. Um, that's not any sort of disrespect to Gasol or Ibaka. They have their, their upside Van with this Vliet team. Too. Well, I think Van Vliet yeah. will... I, th I think he's, he's going to stay. Yeah, is he a restricted free agent? Or just I think free? he's re restricted. If I'm, I, I could be wrong about that, but... Um, Actually, no, I think he is a UFA next year. But regardless, like all those yeah. are so you you pick those four. I guess maybe mm -hmm. I would lean towards Van Vliet in that aspect. Um, just because of the youth and the upside, like that potential is still untapped. But with the remaining three, Lowry would be the one out of Serge, Mark Gasol, and Lowry that I would want to maintain. And again, that's no disrespect to Serge or Mark. It's just more of a thing like uh, the big man equation is sort of antiquated in today's NBA standards. And, you know, you kind of need a reliable point guard and shooter. So I kind of want to maintain that even at, if at that point it's like a bench roll, I don't know, but I, I, I like the upside upside of the offensive uh, production that Lowry would bring. Um, but I don't know. It, to me, you mentioned Van Vliet. I think that if the, we're going to find one detriment to this contract extension is that I'm worried that this is going to stifle the growth and the potential in a starting role that Fred Van Vliet would have potentially had, right? So if Lowry would have gotten traded or went in the offseason mm -hmm. and we re-signed Fred, there's your point guard of the future. And that still might be the case, but at least for now, it's going to be like a hold period for Van Vliet. So do you think this is going to have any negative consequences for Fred Van 
collectively on this team in terms of how he perceives his trajectory uh, in the future? Um, I think, from I understand, they're they're pretty tight. I guess like Larry's kind of like his mentor in a way, or they're yeah. they're always there. So I don't think I think if they were like I guess at odds with each other, it would be like a huge huge thing. But I think Van Vliet is going to keep doing what he's doing. And, you know, if, if he doesn't get a starting role here, he'll get it. He believes he'll get it somewhere. Yeah. So I think like, even if he plays hard for this team, he knows it's not just for this team. He's, he could be auditioning somewhere else. Hmm. And, and personally, I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to hand him the keys. So again, this Larry contract is good kind of, uh, you know, if they do resign Van Vliet and then Larry's only here for one more year, then kind of transition over to Van Vliet if, if he indeed has kind of a season, an amazing season this year. I think we'll have to see. But uh, at this point, I'm not, I'm not ready to hand Van Vliet the keys. So I'm, I'm glad that Larry's around for at least one more year. No, for sure. I, I or two more years. Yeah, including this one. Yeah. It depends on, you know, the, the next step that Van Vliet takes and still could right. take this year we haven't seen it like i i really like him off the bench and i really liked him uh at least in the playoffs and you know some parts of the regular season uh, i really liked him closing out games i think he is valuable in that aspect and credit to van vliet like i think this was discussed with him and he was saying like i don't really care if i'm starting or not i want to be a starter don't get me yeah, wrong exactly. but if if the role that this team sees for me is that of a, a person off the bench or a six man i think that is that's just fine and i think van vliet can thrive in that and who knows maybe that's his that's his niche right there maybe he's sort of like a diet lou williams i don't know but you know (laughs) there seems he he seems very like mature and like he's not going to take like he's not going to have like a hissy fit and be like i'm the starting point guard right you know i think he's just going to work hard and be be uh fred senior and and do his thing and and, like when his time comes it'll it'll come yeah this isn't a Mm -hmm. rondo uh butler and Wade situation <laughs> yeah. in Chicago, right? Like this is th- this team plays as a team, and yeah. they play as a unit. So I don't I don't see any um you know bad blood there. So in regards to the the extension itself, I'm happy with it. Like when you have a legend, like I feel that the first number that's going to be retired as a Toronto Raptor, the first number is going to be number seven. A lot of people find that controversial because a lot of people think DeRozan. I I think a lot of people really? want it to be DeRozan. No. You think it should be Lowry? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, like if I were to choose, and you know, maybe this is crazy to some, but if I were to choose the order in which you know the Raptors jerseys are retired, it'd be Lowry, DeRozan, uh, Kawhi, and then Carter. Kawhi, really? Mm. He won you a championship. <laughs> like without Kawhi, the championship wouldn't have have happened. But you have to recognize the legacy that the you know the, the former two have imprinted on this organization and it's a, it weighs a little heavier i think in terms of the sentimentality of this team that's why i would put lowry and derozan's number up first before Kawhi. oh no i mean i don't think they should retire Kawhi's number at really? All. really yeah i mean he's what was it 62 games like yeah he's he's the not even best load <laughs> not <management>. even <laughs> yeah was it, it was like 60 i don't know it was less than that like yeah. 60 games but like that's like he's, I don't think he was around long enough. Like, of course, we're not gonna win. We're not winning this championship without him. He's the best player to ever wear the uniform. But like, I don't think he was around enough to long enough to to have his number retired. Like, mm. should be reserved for you know people who've been here at least you know 
couple of years, I'd say. Okay. I guess Cardi was here around, what, six, seven years, and DeRozan, nine. Lowry was going into his eighth or something like that, seventh, eighth season. Yes. Yeah, I think, I don't know, 62 or 60 games or whatever it was, I don't think that's, I don't think it's enough. All right. Well, that's a, there is an argument to be made for Kawhi's but, number not being yeah. retired. But definitely, I think Lowry is number one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, piggybacking off that, let's talk about this possible holdout. Because, yeah. again, this struck me as so bittersweet. Like, it was later on that night. So the polarities of everything in the morning, you're so, like, you know, it, it's all jubilant. It, it's just craziness. It's like, oh, man, we got this contract mm-hmm. extension. Everything's good. Let's relax. Kyle Lowry's staying. There's going to be a memo on the Players' Tribune <laughs> soon, I'm sure. Like, I'm ready to see it. Let's go. Oh, his his agent is saying how wonderful Masai Ujiri is. This is great. We're all happy <laughs> family. Hold the fuck on. Oh, that, was, that was, by the way, that was a huge slap to DeRozan. Did you see that quote? Yes. Yeah. It was like, it was like thanking the organization and, and uh, Jerry for, you know, recognizing a legacy player like DeRozan, yep. but like Larry and giving him all the respect and yep. DeRozan's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, hold up. I was going to hold yeah. out guys. Like, just hold on. Like I, yeah. there was a good chance you weren't going to see me game one for that ring ceremony. I'm just saying like, it's, it's so bittersweet because like I said, you don't want to really think about what it would be like if a player on your squad would hold out. But I don't, I wasn't expecting this. And I don't know if it's because like, I want to believe no one on the Toronto Raptors would do this. But then again, this is a business. So how did you react to this notion that, Hey, if I don't get an extension or whatever, I'm not coming. Like, how did you take that coming from Kyle Lowry? Not good, <laughs> to be honest. I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, you know, it's kind of like that. And then, yeah. oh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, um, I don't know if if it's just me, but I kind of have like a bittersweet relationship with uh, Lowry. I mean, just over the years, just the way he's kind of. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like he's kind of fun loving and joking one minute and, you know, very prickly the next, like he'll, he'll be doing, you know, an interview and you won't, or like a post, you know, a press conference when he won't like answer any questions or he'll just be like snipey. And then he'll do like, I don't know if you saw that interview with uh, Kate Burness, TSN, he was all like joking and she mentioned something about, you know, you know, Leonard not being here this year. He's like, yeah, he's Leonard's not here, here this year. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's being all kind of like fun and sarcastic and, so, and then there was that time, like when, you know, I think it was 2017 All-Star game where he had that, that wrist or hand injury and he told no one and then ended up going, playing the All-Star game, playing in the three-point contest. Yes. Golf. Doing rounds of golf. in Toronto when he did the three-point contest? Yeah, he did, he did in Toronto, but I think it was the year after, okay. that was 2016. So was, I think it was 2017 when he was... Had this injury that he, mm-hmm. that he didn't tell him about, and like, then he comes back to the Raptors, being, "Oh yeah, by the way, guys, I got this thing with my hand." And then like, <laughs> your jury had already gone out and got it. That's when he got Ibaka and uh, PJ uh, Tucker. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then, and then he was out. I remember him being out for about two months, and he couldn't gel with these guys before the playoffs. So I think he came back for like maybe a week or so to kind of actually get playing time with these guys before they started the playoffs. Yeah. So that that right there was kind of my final straw with him. I was I was actually done with him after that. I was like, that's it. I like I don't I don't I don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I eventually came back around to him because I realized what we've been talking about now, how like how important he is to the to the franchise and the team. Yeah. So I guess I've kind of learned to kind of put up with that. But like I don't know. Like I'm happy that he got his contract. I'm happy he got his money. No question he deserves it. Like we said, he hundred percent deserves it. But like to fold your arms and like stomp your feet until you get your way after a championship and like not just kind of play the season out and let things, you know, work themselves out. Like that to me, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. If the Raptors were not successful in their championship aspirations last year, I think this would bother me a little less. Like, I think I would look at it as, oh, this is just the way it's run, man. This is NBA, you know, status quo. The players sort of run the league, and we shouldn't expect anybody on our team to be an exception. And maybe that still rings true, but the fact that we had this championship, you know, ring still ringing, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout the, you know, (laughs) merchandise, everything. We have the ring ceremony coming up, everything, dude. It's kind of like, dude, not now. Like, you can't do this now. Like, maybe, like, in the middle of the season, if anything, if things aren't going well, you can demand a trade and say, you know, like, I'm not showing up. That would suck. Like, don't get me wrong. I would still think you're kind of an asshole. But at the same time, like, I can sort of rationalize it in a way. I can't just rationalize selfish. this. It's, yeah. like, it's just like that 2017 I was talking about. Like, it was very selfish. He wanted to participate in the All-Star game and the three-point contest and do his thing, not kind of concerned about the team. You know, I mean, there is kind of balancing off like yeah like you said it is a business he has to worry about himself at the same time like how does i don't don't know how his teammates are reacting to this they're on board with him kind of holding out or but from like i guess fan perspective like you said i guess right after a championship like everything is on a high note this is like the season we're coming back we're defending champions and like to do this yeah it's just bad timing yeah bad timing yeah yeah and look like at the end of the day it legitimately doesn't matter, right? And right. He, he's here. We have him extended. It's fine. And I don't foresee this being an issue next year. And if it is, ooh, that's that's pretty bad. But yeah, I think I, I don't. That's think a good. You... That's a good question. Like, is he going to do this again next year, where like his contract comes up again, and he's be like, "Oh yeah, guys, I'm holding on to you. I'm holding on next year until you sign me again." Like, is he going to do it again? <laughs> he's going to leave thirty-one million dollars on the table if he does, though. Like that's the thing. Like he he's he won't get paid if he doesn't show up. And you, you sign this contract extension to stay another year, and then you're not going to show up for that year. That's sort of odd to me. I think at that point, Ujiri would. I think he has enough. Like you know, for lack of a better way to put it, I think he has enough balls to be like, "Yo, you're, I'm just trading you. I don't want to deal with this. Like I don't want to deal with this headache. I'm trading you." And I think like then Ujiri would be aggressive on that front if it came down to that. I don't see it happening. Like I see this as being like a compromise that they both came and agreed to. So there's no reason for Lowry to not come back next year because he got what he wanted this year. Um, if mm-hmm. it does turn out to be an issue next year, like I said, I think Ujiri will handle it and. Another thing, if it does happen that you know he wants to hold out next year, I think things went catastrophically wrong this year, right? right? And if they went catastrophically wrong this year, I think you Jerry wouldn't be as hard pressed to hold on to him. I think he'd see the writing on the wall and be like, you know what, maybe we should roll the dice with Van Fleet of the point guard of the future, and we'll move on from Lowry. Well, another thing I really think about it was the last contract he signed, the one that like you Jerry didn't have to give him, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Like he, he was like, he wanted to test it free. Of course he's allowed to test free agency. Of course he was looking around at the Spurs at other places. And then like the point guard market just kind of dried up on him. And then he yep. came back kind of with his head 
or tail between his legs and like, uh, guys. Yeah. And in your journey, he's like, did him a huge favor. He gave him three years, hundred million, I think it was. And like, he didn't have to give him that much. It was three, three at yeah, 100. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he, he didn't have to give him that. He did him a huge favor because he, you know, respects him. And I guess, I don't know when time came around for, I guess, Larry to respect your jury. I guess he didn't, I don't know. Yeah. By threatening to hold out. I don't know. At the end of the day, um, he's still a Raptor, right? And that's what yeah. matters. And like, they seem so hell bent on, uh, getting back to the, uh, to the, to the NBA finals and whether or not that's a legitimate possibility, you got to like the intensity, you got to like the confidence. And, um, I think Kyle Lowry being the, one of the key veterans on this team will help that, uh, the, the younger guys underneath them and, Having him for another year for them to sort of feed off him, I think, is only going to be beneficial. So at the end of the day, he is still a Raptor, and I guess that's a good thing. It just, you know, to wrap a bow on this, it does leave a sour taste in my mouth just a little bit to be like, bro, you going to do us dirty like that? Come on now. Come on. I just keep thinking back to to game six of uh, against Golden State. I just go back to the 12.12 run he he set fire to to start that game, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the clinching game. So I, I, I'll hold on to that and see what he does. <laughs> see what he does this year. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, I'm gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk about the two preseason games that happened in Japan. Don't go anywhere. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so as we mentioned, two 6 a.m. games, right, Tuesday and today. I should note that we are recording this Thursday evening. Um, Two 6 a.m. games, not the easiest thing to wake up to, but again, as Ryan mentioned, if you were to record them some way, somehow, maybe you found a stream online, of course, a legal stream online, just like (laughs) I do, of course. Um, Yeah. You were able to catch the Raptors, and like I said, hearing the the sounds of the shoes on the court, hearing the net, hearing the the calls, it's just I love it, and I'm glad mm-hmm. it's back. Especially with the fall weather approaching, everything seems so like cohesive right now. Um, still exciting. I know it's preseason; these games don't quote unquote matter, or legitimately they don't matter. But what were your biggest takeaways from these two preseason games? Uh, first, no doubt, Harden is the greatest scorer of all time. <laughs> As as his as commercial suggests. As he said, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Written, directed, produced, starring James Harden, greatest scorer of all time. Jesus. There's, there's so much going on right now that that just kind of got buried, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In <laughs> his benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, my other takeaway, I'm just wondering how, how much Gasol, how much, how much sake Gasol actually drank. <laughs> Over this last week, just another question I have. Still celebrating both of those exactly. uh, those championships, for lack of a better way to put it. But get, yeah, continue. so <laughs> so the actual thoughts is, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's hard because it's preseason and there wasn't, especially the first game, a lot of defense being played. They kind of racked up that All Star game score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but overall, um, I think the first game, especially like how they started out, it was just it was just amazing without Lowry, without Gasol. Yeah, they're two kind of you know playmaking guys. They actually looked kind of cohesive, surprisingly, yes. to start the game. Um, but particulars, uh, Van Vliet, I think he had a better game one than game two. I kind of liked how he was making he was actually dunking the ball off early. Uh, in game one versus dribbling, you know, doing his dribbling the air out of the ball. Oh yeah. Until the, until the shot clock goes off. 
so making quicker decisions, which I think will be huge, huge key for him this year. Um, I still think his height will be an issue, especially against like bigger teams like the 76ers. Uh, but I think, um, you know, making quicker decisions, which I saw him do somewhat in the first game. I didn't really see it in the second game, but uh, that's my takeaway for him. I don't know if you want to go kind of player to player or kind of talk about one player at a time. No, no, no. I, I think, um, I mean, we can, we can just break it down real quick. I think that, you know, besides the players that you mentioned, I do, it was strikingly odd that Kyle Lowry and Gasol weren't starting the game. I know Kyle Lowry's not playing at all, but um, not seeing them in he's, the starting unit was... He was tossing a football practice, though. <laughs> so, <that's> <laughs> well, yeah, that's how you rehab, dude. Come on. Like, this, exactly. is, this is in medical journals worldwide. Um, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I, I am happy with uh, the confidence. And I know, again, this is just preseason, but seeing Fred Van Vliet sort of take these fuck it buckets, right, yeah. uh, from, like, the logo or from the half court, I'm just like, dude, I know this is preseason, bro, but, like, set up the offense. Like, I, right. it, there were some times that he was trying to go two for one. I get it. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't hate it. But, you know, like, try to set up plays. Like, that's what it's sort of preseason for. You're not trying to beat the buzzer here. You're not trying to set up for two-for-ones. You're trying to, like, get the rust off and make, you know, gel with right. chemistry here. That's that's sort of what I wanted to see. Turnovers were a huge issue, especially in game one. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I'm thankful that this is preseason in that regard because there were so many fucking turnovers. Um, yeah. But with Siakam in game one, I was thoroughly impressed. Like, He's still got the spin move down. People are still biting on it. Um, Surge has seemed to pick up on the spin move as well. He's, you know, utilizing it. Um, but Siakam, 24 points on Tuesday. He shot 7 for 16 from the field, 2 for 6 from deep. Perfect 8 for 8 at the line. 11 boards, 9 of which were defensive, 4 assists, but like I said, 5 turnovers. I think that was a contributing factor to make him a minus 2 for the game. Again, just preseason, but looking at Siakam, performed so well. Um, I was encouraged by what I saw from him in these two games i like that he's i mean we saw this somewhat last year but it's going to be obviously more this year that bringing up the ball kind of the point forward role which he'll be doing a lot more this year um and he usually makes smart decisions with the ball so i trust him to do that there was actually one play today which is i think it was like the first play of the game where he he brought the ball up and then he dumped it off to van vliet and then 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 siakam lost his guy and van vliet threw it back Back to him for an alley-oop. I think it was like the very first play of the game. Yeah. It's more of that kind of give and go or kind of setting up the offense. So it doesn't have to be, especially if it's, you know, Van Vliet running the offense. I'd rather, in that case, have Siakam bring up the ball because I think he's a better decision maker and kind of start the offense a little bit quicker. So I like I like that aspect of kind of what he did. And, uh, yeah, the scoring, the spin moves, um, all those from everything he brought from last season, he seems a little bit stronger, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell he's been hitting the weights uh, other than just his, his Instagram videos. But (laughs) the only thing that I have a gripe about him being the main facilitator, you know, maybe if Kyle Lowry's out and Fred's on the floor, is that I don't trust his handles. Like I know Mm -hmm. they've improved, but there was this one portion in game one. I think it was in the third or fourth quarter that he went on this like spree of between his legs, doing these quick shuffle moves. And he got called for a travel and he was like, travel, travel. I'm like, dude, you're doing (laughs) way too much. in this limited amount of space, like that's not your game. Maybe that can be your game. And I have confidence that you can take that, that extra step forward and maybe your handles can improve, but it's just not there yet. Like stick with what you're good at. And again, I know this is preseason. That's what this is for, for like these quote unquote practice games. But 
I, I just don't know that I can trust it enough in terms of his ball handling ability to be that main facilitator over Fred Van Vliet. Albeit Fred Van Vliet does dribble the air on the ball, like we've said, but still, I, I trust him a lot more with the ball than I do uh, Siakam when it comes to handling it. Yeah, ball handling, obviously, Van Vliet is way better. I mean, if, if Siakam's bringing the ball up and still handling it, then there's an issue. I think like he is better at kind of making decisions earlier in the shot clock. So hopefully he won't kind of bring the ball up and then keep the ball and then start trying to dribble around, dribble around players. But I think that's where he's going to run into huge issues. So I'm hoping like the more kind of reps he gets, the more like he'll, he'll figure it out where he doesn't try to do, you know, everything. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of, like, I have two concerns with him this season. Um, one is obviously that everyone's, but everyone's talking about him being, you know, the focal point now of all defenses. Um, you know, with no no more Leonard here, he's going to be the guy that teams kind of devise their their defense against. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it's going to be much of an issue during the regular season because teams just don't have time to set up plans like they do in the playoffs. And you know, like with with Giannis, we or Giannis, we saw that in. Uh, you know, during the regular season, Nurse didn't have these kind of build a wall around Giannis plans like he right. did in the playoffs. Right. So he just didn't have, didn't have the time, didn't have time to focus on one team. So I think it's going to be the same. Like he'll still run into trouble with like the 76ers, any of those kind of huge teams, but he's going to smoke like Boston, like Celtics. They have no, like who's going to stop him on the Celtics? No one. No one. Even if, they, even, yeah, even if the five, even if they double team, I think he's smart enough to figure it out. He's going to be able to – he's already shown that he can do it, kind of pass out of double teams. Um, he's going to have to make more shots because they're going to make him make his outside shots and not, and probably you know just block the paint. But uh, So that that's not as much concern. The big concern for me is him having this you know number one guy status, this, this franchise player, because I don't think he's that guy. He's definitely a number two or three. We saw he's number two last mm-hmm. year. Number one, like – We've we've kind of as a franchise already seen this happen twice before, where a guy is just kind of given the number one status as default. Like first it was Bosch after Carter got traded, and Bosch wasn't wasn't the number one guy. The guy always thought Bosch was a good two or three, and he ended up being a third on the championship uh, Heat team. And then like once Bosch left, then we had DeRozan who kind of took up the mantle as number one guy, even though he I felt at the time and still even later was not a number one guy. And he had that, you know, the, the famous, I got us tweet. Right. That, uh, which seemed to reassure the Raptors fans. But for me, I'm like, Oh fuck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. they're going to build a team around him. He's, he's the guy. And I'm like, that didn't kind of reassure me at all. So he was just kind of, I guess, handed this number one, you're our guy now, you're our franchise guy. And, and, uh, I am hoping the same doesn't happen to Siakam where he, he feels the pressure to be that number one guy and, like you said, start dribbling through his legs or trying to go through double teams and doing stuff that's out of his game. So I'm hoping he will just kind of not live up to or try and try to ignore all this hype around him and just play his game. And and there's also the expectation he'll take another leap this year. And, like, last year, of course, he took, like, a giant leap. So can't expect him to take that huge leap again. I think that's the difference. Though, like when you examine the the similarities that you pinpoint with Bosch and DeRozan, neither of those players took as much of a leap as Siakam has. 
right from his his rookie year to what's his fourth year so his third year that huge jump that he took um it was pretty exponential whereas DeRozan made these incremental improvements in his game season right. to season and Bosch kind of stayed the same like I'm not saying Bosch wasn't good but like he didn't make this huge jump to be like okay this guy's going to be quite amazing right um right I think Siakam has the opportunity he's young enough and he's still the ceiling just isn't even touched yet that I think that maybe we haven't seen the best of them. Now, I'm not saying the leap is going to be like a direct parallel to last year's leap. It might not be, but I do think that we haven't seen him at his highest potential quite yet. And I do think that he is on a similar trajectory as Giannis was. Now it's not the same. Mm -hmm. I think Giannis is a, is a much more like inherently intrinsically talented player than Siakam. I don't think Siakam is going to reach that Giannis status. I don't, but I do think like, the in terms of the the spatial aspect of the leap will be quite the same you see what i'm saying like if yeah if giannis made a leap from five to ten we might see siaka make the leap from zero to five like it's still like the same amount of a leap but it's just not reaching that same high uh, height of a ceiling i mean there there is a chance one day siakam could be a number one guy i'm just saying i guess right now this season do you think he's He's in the, like, well, I, where I see number one guys, I think we've only ever had two. It was Carter and it was uh, Kawhi. Uh, Leonard. Yeah. So we, th those are the, that's the level I'm thinking in terms of number one guys. Like, here's the ball. Take us to the, you know, take us to the end of the game. Take over the game. You put, put, it, put, me, put us on your back and, and go for it. That's, that's what I see as kind of number one guy. And I don't think he's, he's there yet. He could get there. Like you said, he's, he's, definitely took a huge step last year i just don't see him taking enough of a leap for for him to be that guy yet yeah i don't think <laughs> that i think the the conversation of whether or not uh siakam can be the number one guy is a little bit overblown i think we're so attached to this is because we're so used to and i say so used to sort of like jokingly like because of the imprint and the impression that Kawhi Leonard has left on this team we're trying to look for that replacement we're exactly. trying to we're trying to look for that guy to be like okay you're the you're our new Kawhi now Siakam I think that's yeah. that's that's unfair <laughs> I, yeah there's some cognitive dissonance there I don't I don't see that to be the case i see that look we you might be the the guy that we're building the franchise around but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean you are the guy today like you have a bunch of weapons around you that i think can sort of mitigate that pressure off of pascal siakam right i think still kyle lowry is the captain of this team period and mm -hmm. i think that when you have a bunch of maybe number twos on your team the pressure is kind of off you to be the main guy yes i do yeah. think siakam is going to be the number one score or on this team but that doesn't necessarily translate to him being this world beater for the Raptors I think that if he just plays the game and stays on the same path that we saw him take last year he's just going to be fine yeah so I'm, I mean I could be misreading the, the Twitterverse the, the Raptor fans on Twitter where it seems like oh yeah he's our he's our guy now he's our he's our Leonard he's our kind of franchise multi-all-star guy you know mm. but like that's that's kind of the feeling I get, and then that's the kind of the pressure I don't want to put on. Like you said, just do play your game, keep improving. Yeah, you're going to be the number one scorer, but you're not necessarily like the franchise number one status guy. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like it would Yeah, I think we're 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 agreeing with each other, just yes. saying it differently. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I do think Siakam will have all star status this year. Just because yeah, like I think look, so too. look what's in the East. Right? There's yeah. not like that's not a discredit to him or his abilities. I just think like uh, he's the obvious candidate oh, for the Raptors besides he probably should have been last year. Yes, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, that being said, like I, I anybody listening, I hope you don't expect him to be Kawhi Leonard esque. <laughs> like he's not going to be, but he still will be the best player on this team. I thoroughly believe that. Um, yes, that is that is correct. Yeah. So just you know, keep the expectations low. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I other than that, when it comes to you know, we talked about Siakam, um, another guy that I think will you know impress me with these two games in Japan, Norman Powell. Norman Powell played pretty well. I liked what I was seeing, especially in today's game, Thursday morning. Yeah, game, game two for sure. Yeah, yeah, twenty-two points, shooting seven for eleven from the field, five for seven from deep. That is, mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, three boards, all defensive, one assist. He was a plus seven for the day pretty good showing from Powell and like similar to Pascal I need him to step up I need to see yeah. more from from Norman Powell he he quietly shot I, I looked this up he, from he shot 40 percent from three last year mm-hmm. yeah it seemed like it seemed like a, like a, he quietly did like like it didn't didn't realize that and like today he was just like hitting them like hitting the threes like with ease like it was nothing and he was he was making layups he was um making much better decisions. And that's, I think that's going to be the key for him this year. Like, I think we, you know, he, his natural position is two, which I think is good. He's actually going to be playing his natural position this year. Yes. I think yes. in the past, he's kind of been like a three, but he's really a two. And uh, with no more, like no more DeRozan, no more green kind of blocking him. It's kind of his job to lose. I know we've said that in the past. We're like, Oh, this is going to be his year. But I really think, this has to be his year. This gonna, he's going to be playing his position, and he's going to get he's going to get the playing time. So he just needs to not force his game. Make sure he makes right decisions with the ball. Read the defense. You know when to shoot, when to pass. Don't try to kind of steamroll through traffic like he normally does, uh, and get stripped like we've seen him do many times. I think I even heard Nurse um, talking about this at one point in one of his interviews, where he's saying that they're working on Powell with this. It's like you know, once you get a double team learn how to you know pass out of it how to make kind of better decisions overall and i think if you can do that if he if he hits his threes like he did last year or even improves and he can make better decisions with the ball when to pass when to score then i think it's going to be a really good year for him yeah for sure and like you've pretty much nailed it like i don't need to see norman powell be sort of erratic when he comes mm-hmm. to the to the to the to the cup i need to see him you know, with the steady hand, sort of finesse it. Because so many times, how many times did I play the Norman Powell miss a layup drink game? Like, you know, it, it happened often. And you, I just. You probably don't remember because you got so drunk. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I don't mind the outside shooting. Please, please take yeah. a lot of threes, Norman Powell, because I trust. It, it's weird to say because I trust his outside game a little bit more than his, like, super inside yeah. game. Like, it seems just sort of rushed and erratic when he's driving to the hole. I like his um, pick and pop game. I think that's pretty good like he's always reminded me of sort of like a DeRozan-esque player with a three-point shot right and he's built similarly to DeRozan in that regard but I do think that Powell um we probably seen his ceiling but I just need to him to play with a little bit more confidence and I don't know a better yeah I need the consistency I need the confidence and yeah. the opportunity right now is super ripe for Norman Powell yeah so like the who, like who's behind him? Like McCaw, 
I guess Thomas. Yeah. Miller. I think those guys are behind him. So he's he's firing out the, the best shooting guy we have. So he's it's his job. He might like, start. Yeah, I think he. I mean, there's going to be maybe there's times where they push OG to the shooting guard and have that kind of ultra big lineup, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's his it's his job. Yeah, yeah. I I just. I need to see it from him. And, you know, those are the two people. Like, I know a lot of people have OG on the mind. I, I trust OG. I think last year was just sort of a throwaway year. A lot of it was out of his control. And thankfully, like, none of the injuries that he suffered will affect his mechanics. Um, and none of the, the reason why he was out will have anything to do with his mechanics. It's um, unfortunate situations coupled with, like, internal things. Um, but the two players that I'm looking at the most, and I'm like, I need to see more from you is uh, Norman Powell, and I need to see what P- Pascal Siakam is capable of doing if he's going to be the guy on this team. So um, I'm really happy, though, with what I saw for them in these two games. In terms of OG, I think I think he's probably going to be taking the, the Danny Green role this year in ter- on the defensive end. I mean, mm. like he's going to go after the, the other team's best guy to give Pascal some rest and just like whoever, whoever that guy is on the other team, it's, it's, it's going to be OG, I think kind of handling him uh the same way kind of green took all the, the hard defensive assignments last year and like he and like Le- and leonard hardly ever kind of took the other guy the other team's best guy right that kind of sense yeah but, i can see that yeah i mean but offensively like he's still a work in progress clearly yeah like he has these games that just you see it like i remember last year um, it was at home. They played Cleveland. Now I know Cleveland's like the shitbox team. But <laughs> yeah. I, I'll never forget. They were wearing their city jerseys, and OG just went off. And I'm like, that is what I can see OG doing. That is the OG I want to see. It's just not there consistently. But when you see and you recognize that, dude, this guy is a rookie, guarded LeBron James quite well. Like, he yeah. did it pretty good, if not great in the playoffs like i know like lebron hit that last shot that pretty much drove a dagger in every raptors fan's heart but that wasn't his fault though no no that (laughs) That was was casey's fault yeah Yeah. for sure um but yeah no he's yeah he's taking he takes the the toughest assignments like who's no one can stop uh lebron but like he at least gave him trouble and slowed him down a little bit yeah, like it, he recognized him he being lebron was just like yo og's gonna be legit so you know when you that's why I'm not really too concerned with OG. Like, uh, I know the ACL injury when he was drafted was sort of like on the radar, but had that injury not occurred when he was in college, I think he would have been a top 10 pick. So when you have that kind of uh, potential on your team, it's sort of like we haven't seen the best of him yet. Similar to Pascal Siakam, but last year we saw this breakout from Pascal. I think we're going to see something similar from OG this year. Yeah, and like you said, he has those moments. You're like those holy shit moments. Like, where the hell did that come from? Right. Like, why, just why can't you just keep doing that? Like, he just has these moments where he'll blow by someone or do this dunk, and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, he can do more of that. Well, yeah. So that's um, those are my takeaways Ter- from the. Well, uh, I have yeah. I have one more. Yeah, go for, ahead. Uh, Terrence Davis. Oh God, dude. <laughs> yes. Who's on the hive? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> It's only hive if, if there's people out there who don't like him. Is that That's true. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's obviously he's a shooting guard, but they're they're obviously trying him out at point guard because the point guard depth is pretty shallow. Right. Like right now it's uh, uh, Isaiah Taylor, whoever that is. <laughs> I think he played five <laughs> minutes today. And then like uh, Westbrook's old 
dance partner, Cameron Payne. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> those are, those are kind of our, so it's like, that's why there's, is Davis, if Davis is going to play, I think it's going to be at point guard. That's the only kind of place I think he can kind of work in, especially if McCaw and Thomas are, and Miller are getting minutes at shooting guard. Right. So they're obviously, and I'm actually surprised how well he's been, because he's never been a point guard. He's always been a shooting guard. So he's actually, especially in the first game, he was actually running the offense pretty well. Maybe because he doesn't want the ball in his hands because he's never had it in his hands. That's mm -hmm. why he was kind of dumping it off early as opposed to dribbling the air of the ball like someone else does. <laughs> but like he, but today especially, he was getting rebounds. He was driving through traffic. He was making plays. And like he seemed very confident for a guy who was never, you know, stepped foot on the you know NBA floor before. Right. So there, there's some, you know, there's potential there. I'm not going to, obviously, two preseason games, not going to say everything, but like the, I think this year the third point card is going to be very important, more so in past years, because they're probably going to load manage Larry maybe a little bit, and they're going to do those Larry Van Vliet lineups a yeah. lot. So you're going to need that third point guard to kind of to come through take up some minutes yeah especially to close out games it wouldn't surprise me if you see a lot of lowry and van vliet so um yeah yeah the, i i think that you know when you see the these two preseason games and i mentioned it today peter of life and repeat um mentioned it about the preseason you don't want to get too overhyped with what no, you see in the preseason like you got to take the preseason pledge of being like, look, it's preseason. It's exciting. But like even the yeah. bad stuff looks like eh, calm your tits. Like it's it, we'll We'll see what happens in the regular season. But no, I, I'm with you. I think I like what I saw from him. I liked the uh, the confidence. And when he was on the floor, he was definitely a presence. And, um, you know, it's, it's a it's a smart move to have him on this team to sort of uh, be an option like Masai usually finds these guys that are just like, you know, like I don't want to say under the radar, but kind of under the radar, and like they sort of explode when they're in a Raptors jersey, minus Demar Carroll. <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was thinking about this. Like, are, I don't want to. This may sound a little hyperbolic, but like, are the Raptors the new Spurs in terms of mm. kind of plucking these players out of nowhere? Like, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Van Vliet and that's you know equivalent to Tony Parker or anything. But like, a team like the Spurs, they had Duncan. I mean, they lucked out on getting Duncan because they had that one awful injury play season where they right. were able to draft him, you know, number one overall. But after they kept winning and winning, like they have to play, they have to draft in the high twenties and you know, second rounders, non-drafted guys. That's the area they've been playing in and kind of sustained their team over time. Like Parker was a late first round, Ginobili was a second rounder. Jajante Murray is like the, the new, he was also a late 20s guy. He's kind of like the new Parker, the guy they found. So they keep kind of finding these guys in order to keep their, their kind of team going. Like they've made the playoffs for 22 straight years. Right. They win, they win every single year. They've, they've had like, you know, 60 plus one game. So they're always drafting high. And like, that's what the Raptors have been doing. Like they got Siakam at what was it? 23, 24, mm -hmm. somewhere around there. 20, was it later than that? It may have been later than that. I think it was 26. Yeah, I think it was 26. So then, and then they found Van Vliet, you know, undrafted guy. They're, they found Boucher, who knows what he'll be, but he has some upside. And also, you know, Davis, we'll see what, how he turns out. But in order to be a kind of sustainable winning franchise, you got to find these guys, especially when you're actually winning every year. You can't, you can't pick in the, the lottery. 
So you got to you got to find these guys somewhere, and that's testament to the uh, scouting department and and your jury. Yeah, I think it's a fair c- comparison in terms of like it being systematic like that. I'm not sure. Obviously, I don't. I don't think this is what you're saying. I don't think it's the same in terms of prestige, and I think that's why you, no. you brought up the hyperbole. But yeah. when it comes to like the system itself, the Raptors have a really good system and. Uh, maximizing the potential from their players and really highlighting their attributes and using them as solid weapons. Yeah, and like you said, finding these guys who fell through the cracks or whatever, who are passed off, passed by it. Like anyone could have drafted Siakam, but somehow I don't know if it was pure luck or I mean, after a while, it's not just luck. Like you could say maybe Tony Parker was luck, but then they they kept doing it over and over and over again. So you know, once your jury kind of does this over and over again, it's it's not luck. It's actually you know, they they see they see something, yeah. It's yeah. Scouting, it's, you know, intelligence. They they see something in in these players. All right. Well, with that, let me uh let me take our final break. We'll be right back. We're gonna hit on the the upcoming season, and then we'll wrap it up. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, man. As I mentioned, 2019 2020 season upon us. In a brief, sort of loose sense. What are your expectations for this team in terms of placement, uh, potential win total, who's gonna, they're going to be the biggest rivalry that this team has to face? What do you think is in store for the Toronto Raptors? Um, so I start by saying that I'm a super like realistic Raptors fan. Like I'm not, I don't have blinders on when it comes to the team, like like Laker fans or Celtic fans. I actually look at my team realistically. Um, some people in the past, I guess, have called me a pessimist, but I, I think it's more of being realistic. Realistic, yeah. Uh, so I'm just setting up the fact that I'm not blinded by my own team, um, but we're uh, the third best team in the East. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Like it's not, it's not even a question, and I don't understand why it's a question. It's a question because people like to to hop on the Celtics train. But I, I again, yeah, it's 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 a constant every year, and I might have even mentioned this to you. If not, I apologize. Like you look at the Celtics, where are their bench? Who do they have? No, their depth chart is like once you get past this, even the starting lineup is like, who knows where you're getting with them? And then once you get to yeah, exactly, their bench. There is no bench. <laughs> yeah, look at their centers. Like you, you're really gonna rely on Cantor all year, and you're gonna rely on Tice. Like that's your big man. Like I'd much rather have Gasol and Ibaka than that. Like that, I, I'm when we're they're playing the Celtics. I'd rather I, have Boucher. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. If I'm if I'm Nurse and I'm playing the Celtics, I'm saying attack the inside, just attack, just mm-hmm. get it inside and attack. You don't even need to worry about the outside shooting. Maybe you do to play catch up, if, especially if Kemba's on his game or if like uh, Tatum takes the next step. But otherwise, just attack the inside because you're gonna you're gonna get yours. You're gonna feast in there. Like the, they have no bench, and you can't rely on Kemba to play like forty plus minutes a game. I don't trust the trajectory of Jalen Brown. I think he's sort of overrated. I do see a possible future for Jason Tatum, but otherwise, like what do they got? They got nothing, and that's why I, I get so irritated when I hear the Celtics are going to be the biggest threat in the East. Fuck no, man. I am I am way more uh, scared, I guess, lack of a better way to put it, of Indiana than I am Boston. Yeah, and, and Horford, they, like, I think Horford, like, I think he was a bigger loss than Irving. Yes, to be honest. especially like, defensively, for sure. Yeah, and like he's kind of like, Horford's kind of like that glue guy that the like, Gasol is. He kind of kind of makes the offense go when, when nothing's happening. Right. So I think, yeah, it's, I'd say that 
I don't, I don't know if the Pacers are better than Boston. Probably about, I think I had them about the same. They're definitely deeper. Yeah, I think so. But like, so I think, I guess we agree that, uh, I guess, Philadelphia and Milwaukee are, are kind of one and two. I don't know which way you have one and two, but I think Raptors are definitely, you know, right in, be- not, I wouldn't say right in behind them, but close behind them. Yeah. Um, I've always gone off the mantra that if you have the best player on your team, you're going to be successful. And to me, Giannis is the best player in the East. I don't even think it's a question. So I give them the edge mm-hmm. over Philly. Um, I, I think it's a little bit overrated. I do like Harford as a piece. I really do. And Embiid is very good. But I, I just think they're still a little young and raw. Um, and I don't know that Horford is going to be enough, especially when they lose Redick and stuff. Like they lost a lot of pieces that made them who they were. They don't have Butler anymore as well. Butler, yeah, yeah. So who's, I, I who's think scoring at the end of the game. That's what I'm saying. Like I think, <laughs> I think um, Milwaukee has the edge, and so I, I, if I were to choose, it would be Milwaukee, Philly, then Toronto. Um, but anything after that, man, yeah. it's just sort of like a toss up. Like I will put Boston and Indiana in that four or five conversation, but otherwise, after that, it's just like pick your pick your poison, man. I don't even know. Yeah, Indiana has like Old Depot's coming back All Star game maybe. Yeah, and halfway. They have, they have Brogdon like, too. Yeah, so everyone's oh, everyone's like oh, they got Brogdon now. They're now they're better than the Raptors. They're better than they're like the fourth best team in the East. Mm. Because why? It's right. Like, right. Old Depot. When Old Depot comes back, is he going to be Old Depot? We don't know. It's probably going to take him some time to get back into it. And then like everyone has. Um, the the Nets above the Raptors as well. Like why? Why? <laughs> they swapped Russell for Irving, so you know, obviously Irving's better than Russell, but you know, with the chemistry issues, that might just be a wash. <laughs> right. Like Durant's not coming back this year. Yeah. And to me, this Nets team is eerily similar to last year's Celtics team. Yeah. Oh, really? I was gonna say the same as Nets last year, but yeah, I guess, yeah, kind of like... Like Kyrie yeah. is the guy, and he's playing yeah. with a bunch of guys that he has to lead, and he's proved bunch he's, of, yeah, exactly. he's not a bunch leader. Of young guys. You yeah. know? So, like, what? if you don't think last year's Celtics team, if you look reflect on that and say, well, that wasn't successful, you have plenty of evidence to say, well, then probably Brooklyn's not going to be successful either because Kyrie has to be the guy. Kyrie mm-hmm. cannot be the guy on a team. Yeah. It's proven. It's, it's fact now. Yeah, and... I think a lot of it is, I think some of the quote unquote experts are thinking Jerry's going to trade this entire team away. And that's why they were picking them, the Raptors a little bit lower than they should be, mm. which I don't think is going to happen. If, if they're like third or fourth in the East, I don't think New Jerry's going to be trading anyone. No, no. So, it's too wide yeah. open. Yeah, exactly. And such a weak East. Yeah. Um, but I think the majority of the experts and analysts are just, just plain ignorant. <laughs> they just yes. like, they just see that, that Leonard is not here anymore. Uh, no one mentions Danny Green, by the way. He's also going to be <laughs> hard. His shoes are going to be hard to fill. Yeah, but we've got well. Matt Thomas, so come on. Yeah. <laughs> Great on defense. <laughs> so people just look at, oh, they don't have, they don't have the, uh, you know, the, that guy anymore. So automatically they barely won't even make the play. Some people don't even have them making the playoffs. Yeah, it's, that's like, ludicrous. Like, Sam Mitchell, like yeah. what? <laughs> well, it's Sam Mitchell. Come on. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He had the he had the Bulls. Come on. Didn't he have the magic beat in them last year in the playoffs round one? 
probably. I think he did. I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. But he has the Bulls making the playoffs. I know. Of, I, I know. <laughs> like, what are, like, what are we doing here? Like, I think this may sound crazy. I don't know. But I believe this year's team is actually better than any of the DeRozan teams that we've had. Yes, it's certainly deeper, and it, maybe with the, you can make an argument for the DeRozan team that went that got swept by Cleveland the last time. The um, eighteen, yeah, that was a solid squad. Yeah, that right? was a fifty-nine team, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah regular season wise, okay, maybe that team was better than this one, but I think it's pretty close. Maybe, maybe a little bit better. Like. Like they have the core, they have all the core players back. I mean, they don't have our, you know, the two the two players that came over from last year, but uh, they have everyone else pretty much back. And there's you know, the chemistry. There's some depth. Obviously, the weak conference we talked about. Now, the most important thing: championship pedigree, like the experience of actually going through a championship. Yeah, having that having that confidence. Yeah, dude, Patrick McCaw, three time champion. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Collect, collecting rings. That's it. See. That's Same it. amount of rings as, as uh, LeBron, isn't it? That's it. Three-time <laughs> champion, man. That's all I'm saying. There's something lucky about him, and, you know, he's still here. So, hey, whatevs. But, no, I agree. I, I think that the, the Raptors are severely underrated there. It's, it's no different than any other year. They're constantly disrespected. Um, a third, finishing third in the Eastern Conference would not surprise me. In fact, I, I expect that uh, for sure. But... You know, we talked about the leaves from certain players. I think when you couple that with the weak Eastern Conference and it being so top-heavy, uh, it would surprise me if the Raptors weren't successful this year. And successful meaning regular season win totals. I'm not saying that they're going to go far in the playoffs. I don't yeah. know what the playoff trajectory is, but when it comes to the regular season, I have full faith that they're going to be just fine. I was, I was actually just, just about to clarify that. This is We're talking about the regular season. Yes, yes. <laughs> because yes. once you get to the postseason, as we saw last year, you need that guy you need that Kawhi Leonard you need that one guy who's gonna get you a bucket who can who you can just give the give the ball to and say you know when is this thing but but over the course of a you know 82 game season especially in the east playing teams like you know uh the Wizards and Cleveland those teams you don't you don't need that guy (laughs) no no, like Orlando, Chicago, uh, even though people like Orlando this year, it's sort of just the same. Like, they didn't really improve. They're like, you know, we're they, just going to stay pat. Like, I um, think they're counting on like a Jonathan Isaac, kind yeah. of Siakam-like step from Jonathan Isaac. Or like Markel and, Fultz being right. like this world beater. It's not going to happen. Like, you have Atlanta yeah. in, in the conference. It's just, there are so many shitty teams on this on this conference that I'm just like, it's it's almost, the Raptors need to try to not to make the playoffs. That's how bad it is. Um, I don't think they could even try to not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if they try their hardest to, like, not make the playoffs, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, let me, uh, let, me, let me close it off with this. Yeah. We know you, Jerry is a forward-thinking man. And if the Raptors are in the conversation, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to pull the trigger on something at the trade deadline to improve this team. As you mentioned, like the postseason is so important to have that guy. Would not surprise me if the Raptors are on the trajectory to finish third, that he doesn't try to make a, a solid, you know, important and impactful move to imp- improve the squad. Would not surprise me at all. In fact, I would bank on it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's actually a question... I've actually been thinking about like would he actually add to this team or just kind of let it run its course? Like if we're right there, 
I think the thirst for another championship is real. I'm not saying we're going to get there. I'm not. But I think Masai is the kind of guy to say, I will do everything I can to make sure we have the best chance possible. I guess you just have to be careful about, you know, trading away future assets. You know, I don't know. I guess, like, who, who, would, they, who would they trade, though? To... Uh, I think the number one body that I think they would trade would be Ibaka. Um, I think if you're going to bank on someone getting traded at all this year, it's going to be Ibaka. Um, but for me, I'm the kind of guy that I, I know this may be irresponsible, right? But I'm just, I'm more of a, that's a future me kind of problem. So like draft capital, I don't give a fuck. Like trade, I trade your first. I don't care. It's going to be a late first anyway in the twenties trade it. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. Just like do your thing, trade them away, trade up, trade both picks. I don't care. Like I, I, I want to see my team in the playoffs. That's what I care about. I want to see good basketball in, in May. That's what I want to see. So when it comes to draft capital, couldn't care less, man. I guess we'll, we'll have to like see if it's. I mean, he's gonna be. He's he's pretty realistic. He knows kind of the. I guess the ceiling of the team, and you know, I don't, I don't think there's any move they can make beyond like a Bradley Beal that would actually get him to the finals again. Right. So I think if they're going to make a move, it'd have to be something big like that. But like, I think they can go second round to the playoffs with the team they have right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you never know. Like that's the one thing I learned, especially that if that 2018 season taught me anything. You finish first with 59 means doesn't mean sh- 59 wins rather doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean shit. You just you never know. Well, that's that's the that's kind of the reason to to stay relevant to just like keep winning, keep having these seasons, mm-hmm. and then like this trade comes along out of nowhere. You know, a disgruntled player on the Spurs, franchise altering player, and then you make that trade, and that one player, and then later Gasol, leads you to a championship, where you where you have like teams like the yeah. the 76ers who lost like what they lost like how many games like every year they lost like 70 60 70 games every year mm-hmm. for like five years got all these picks and made all these draft choices and, and then you know and then meanwhile raptors just kept winning and winning making it to the playoffs and then they, they just kind of swept in and won a championships and and 76ers are still looking for theirs. So yep. I just find it funny. Yep. And they and they lost their most important piece, much like we did. But still, I, I, I like, you know, the aspect of what our president and GM can do to make sure that this team stays relevant. And I, and I have full faith that if we're in an opportunity to push, like, who knows what could happen? Maybe, you know, 76 maybe B gets hurt. Uh, severely i don't want that to happen like knock on desk that doesn't happen i don't wish injury on anybody but injuries are a thing like who knows maybe Giannis get hurt we don't know and if that happens we have a clear a much clearer path to success you know maybe lebron signs with the lakers and he's not in the east anymore (laughs) that's what i'm saying like you just never know and if there are opportunities that are are to be had and something's on the table for uh, masai jerry to capitalize on i trust his instincts and it would not surprise me if he took advantage of it like, like how many fans, when, when they kept losing every year in the playoffs, fans like, blow it up. Yep. Just trade everyone. Just to, it's I'm not like, his DNA, man. It's just yeah, not. Yeah, it's not his DNA. And it's also, I don't think you were around. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think these fans were around back in the days where they were, we were Terrible. losing. We're, yeah, we were winning 12 games, 15 games. That is not good. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was hard to deal with. Yeah. There were, there were, it got so bad at one point where it was like, recording game and then finding out if they won or not and then watching it <laughs> like whether or not they won 
because I couldn't take another loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> just imagine, like, th- there will be a time. Like, this will happen. There's always, like, ebbs yeah. and flows and in the sports Shh. world. No team. I know, <laughs> I know. I don't want to put it out in the universe, but, like, it. every team is bad at some point, right? And yeah, so there will be a t- – Yes, yes, exactly. There will be a time where we're sitting here and we're hoping the Raptors can just make the eighth seed to get to the playoffs. And, like, I know, like, in terms of draft capital, that's not where you want to be. But for exciting basketball, like, you, you have to pick your battles. So, like, right now – I think we're in a position where we're stable. I think the depth is something that a lot of fans should be focused on. We we are a deep team. We really are. And it's not just depth in terms of, you know, quantity here. It's it's, it's sorry, yeah, it's it's quality depth. Right. And so when it comes to that, I have full faith that Messiah Jerry will pull the trigger if something's on the table. Um, but that again, that's that's something we're gonna have to worry about in February. But as of today, as of October, that's gonna wrap this up. Uh, Ryan, it's again, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm sure we're going to do this again sometime in the regular season. I, in fact, I'll bank on it as much as I'll bank on Messiah Jerry improving the squad, but you know, the deal is it's your time to shine, promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter, your work, all the above. Go for it, man. All right. So Twitter handle is Ryan Grossman. That's G R O S M A N one S. Uh, and for my website, it's lace sports.ca. L-A-C-E-D, sports.ca. I think the, the last thing I wrote was about... Vlad, um, yeah, thanks. It was mm-hmm. kind of him moving over moving over to first, which kind of we just thought, we talked about a little bit on the, on the last pod. So you can find that story there. And, and on your site, it's on your site as well. Yep. Um, and, yeah. Okay. All the links to Ryan's Twitter, laysports.ca, will be in the description of this show. So if you don't want to, you know, use your fingers to type, you can just do a couple of clicks on uh, on this episode and you'll be right there. Um, and while you're at it, if you can take the time to give us five stars, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this on, that'd be greatly appreciated. But uh, I'm going to wrap this up here. We have a full month worth of shows. We're back to weekly Raptors content. It's reliable. It will be here every week. In fact, I have shows booked into the middle of November. So we're, we're strong. We're there. We're here for you on a weekly basis. Raptors are back. I'm excited. I'm sure you all are excited. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Take it easy, man. for listening to the south of the six podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at south of the six and subscribe to our show we're on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher spotify yeah we're everywhere while you're at it if you liked what you heard do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review we appreciate it thanks again go jays and raptors